Good morning, everyone. Particular way, want to once again uh, welcome our catechumens and candidates. We're praying for you as you uh, really begin this journey formally towards Easter Vigil and baptism into full acceptance into the church. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and so it's traditional for us to read a passage from the gospel where Jesus is sort of talking about his second coming and encouraging his followers to be awake and to be aware. We read this at the first Sunday of Advent because it is the time where we begin to be awake and aware, preparing for the birth of Jesus at Christmas. So the church sort of connects Christ's first coming at Christmas with his second coming at the end of time. And so during this course of Advent, we are called to, reminded to, be prepared, to be watchful for the coming of Christ. And there are a number of ways that we can do this, to be aware, to be prepared. One of the ways that is the best, most effective, and probably most important, at least for Catholics, is the practice of the sacrament of confession. Of course, we know this is one of the seven sacraments, but it is one that a lot of people struggle with. Sometimes they'll make theological arguments, but from my experience, at the root of the issue is fear. Fear of approaching confession, fear of being judged, a fear that is ultimately rooted in the phenomenon of shame. Particularly when it comes to sins against the sixth commandment, whether in the mind or in the body, these things can produce a tremendous amount of shame. And what happens is whenever we experience shame, we draw back and often want to hide ourselves. We see Genesis chapter 3 sort of describe this phenomenon. Adam and Eve commit their sin and what do they do? They hide themselves, they cover themselves. We tend to do the same thing. And we're ashamed for what we've done. Or we feel ashamed even of who we are. We don't want others to see us. We don't want the Lord to see us. And so that tendency is to push away and draw away from his mercy. So what I want to do today is talk a little bit about the reality of shame, how we can deal with that shame, and how it connects to the sacrament of confession. Normally, I'll tell people, hey, listen, I understand it's normal to feel shame, but you don't need to worry about being shameful and bringing these sins to confession. First of all, the priest has heard it before. Number two, I can't remember what I preached on last Sunday. I'm not going to remember your sins. Number three, in a certain sense, I'm really not that interested. I know what people are capable of. I'm interested in giving mercy. But the fact is that often this may not really convince us intellectually. Even if it does, it has, there's a hard time of getting over that fear that comes in a much deeper sense in our being. And so what I want to do, though, is present today another way of maybe viewing the shame and coming to overcome the shame in the church's approach to these sins, or sin in general and shame in general. And that comes with something we don't talk about a lot, and maybe we don't even think about a lot as Catholics. That is something we call the seal of confession. That whatever you confess, no matter how big or no matter how small it is, under the seal of confession, the priest, under the severest of penalties, can never talk about it, even the smallest things. 
So imagine like last week you went to confession, you confessed that you ate too much pecan pie or drank too much eggnog. That's not that big of a deal. But then right after you left, someone comes up and puts a bullet to my head, a gun to my head and says, I'm going to kill you unless you tell me if they conf confess eating too much pecan pie. I would have to take the bullet before I admitted that you did that or even admitted that you went to confession in the first place. People come and they say, hey, Father, uh, how did my kid do for their first confession? I say, I can't tell you. I can't even admit that I know that your kid went to first confession. That's how serious the seal of confession is. Someone came up to me after Mass and said, Father, I always kind of thought that maybe priests, when they get together, are sitting around saying, guess what I heard? No, we don't do that at all. I promise you, we don't do that at all. There may be a lot of stupid things we talk about. We don't talk about people's sins because that seal of confession is so serious. Very, very big repercussions if this priest would break it or even seem to break it. Granted, we may know what's being confessed and may say, hey, in a, a homily, let's talk about the sin of gossip or let's talk about the sin of adultery. But it doesn't mean that we are trying in any way, shape, or form to throw anyone under the bus. So what this shows, though, is at least for the church, this idea of sin is something when it's confessed is private. It is between you and the priest, you and Christ, you and the church. It is not something that is ever going to be public. The church is not interested in publicly shaming anyone for what they've done. The interest is granting and giving mercy. Now I bring this up because it is a common phenomenon throughout all cultures and probably all times to scapegoat and publicly shame people for certain sins, particularly sins against the Sixth Commandment. We all read the Scarlet Letter. That's what it's about. We see it throughout history and we're seeing it in a particular way today. Now, in a certain sense, I am not denying that what we're seeing, particularly in the past several weeks in the media, these men have committed grave sins. Some of them have committed criminal acts and should probably be prosecuted for them. And the media bringing it up sort of is shedding light on a very serious problem. And for that, I'm thankful and it's good. Hopefully we can see some transformation. But what happens in this age of mass media, where before a public shaming might have been localized, it becomes global. And it steps from going quite often to, hey, let's rectify the problem, to, hey, let's destroy this person's reputation. Let's ruin their name. It becomes a witch hunt to a degree. Well, we begun looking to denounce everybody for everything they've ever done and denounce other people for not denouncing the people that we think ought to be denounced. And we all get in on this. It becomes sort of a bloodlust or a frenzy. We're not really looking for justice, but we are looking to destroy people's reputation and to shame them publicly. Particularly when it comes to the mass media, the purpose is indeed, maybe originally for justice, but it becomes about ratings. It becomes about revenue. If we can continue to talk about these things, more people are going to watch and we have more advertising revenue. And it's the cost often of people's reputations. Or fine, you did something wrong, but we don't need to talk about it for five weeks and just absolutely annihilate a person. 
We need to be open to showing mercy while calling people to accountability. But it's easy for us to say we could point the finger at Fox News or CNN, but on the flip side, because of social media, it becomes very easy for us to do the same exact thing in probably an even more vicious way. There was a book published a couple of years ago that I really enjoyed by a man named John Ronson, a British author, called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And each chapter talks about the story of people who've done really bad things or some who've done just small things, but Twitter or Facebook picked it up and people went after them and completely destroyed their lives for something that indeed may have been wrong, but really needed maybe mercy or a small dealing with instead of the bloodlust to destroy people's reputations. If you want evidence of what this is like, not elsewhere, but in our community, why don't you go, when you go home, go to KATC's Facebook page and find any article about some criminal or someone who did something wrong and go read the commentary. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's horrible what people are saying. These people have family members and friends and people who know them and love them. And yet we're going to sit here and be judge and jury and executioner, destroying people's reputations. Imagine if it was us or one of your loved ones out there. Fine, maybe they did something wrong. Maybe they need to go to prison. But the fact of the matter is, social media has encouraged people today, almost thoughtlessly and anonymously, to go and rip people to shreds. I'd actually probably prefer to be ripped to shreds by CNN, by those people, than those people commenting on KATC's Facebook page. That's the truth. But we as Christians and as a church, we are called to something different and the sacrament of confession shows that. That, indeed, we may have done things that we're ashamed about, but it's not to be publicly broadcast. It's supposed to be dealt with in a private manner where Christ forgives and he forgets. The priest forgives and he forgets. And we can move on with our lives, try to change our lives, but trusting in the Lord's mercy to know that and looking and we do this so the church thinks this is important the seal of confession and this idea of privacy and not publicly shaming people or dragging their names in the mud because it goes back to jesus think of the woman caught in adultery it was the pharisees who wanted to shame her and humiliate her but jesus was the one said all right you did this go and don't do it again and he moved on from there, granting forgiveness, but not exposing her to public shame. This is the way of Christianity. Now, I'll be honest. Some of you say, Father, that's wonderful. I agree with you. It's nice. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes when I've gone to confession, I've felt shame. Or I felt the priest was judging me. Or the priest, by what he said or his attitude, made me feel very shameful. I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to justify the behaviors of priests. Sometimes priests are in bad moods. Sometimes, particularly here, if I've got 30 people for confession, I need to move people through confession so everybody can go. Because if I spend 15 minutes with one person, then everybody else in line is going to have to go to confession for being mad at me and for mad at you for taking so much time in confession. We don't want that to happen. But the fact of the matter is, I apologize if ever I have done anything to make people feel more shameful of what they've done. 
I know people are weak. I'm weak myself. And there's certain sins that you could come confess over and over and over again. And I know they come from human weakness. And the church is always there. I want you to come back to confession. But the fact of the matter is, there are certain times when the priest has an obligation to challenge you to give up the near occasion of sin. All right, there's weakness, but maybe we shouldn't be going to the bar every weekend. Maybe we shouldn't be being alone with our girlfriend. Maybe we should be doing something to limit our access to pornography, whatever it is. And that encouragement is not meant to shame, but to call people to a greater responsibility. So once again, I apologize if I've ever done anything, and I wish I could apologize on behalf of all priests, whether it was a bad day or a desire to encourage people to change their lives. It's never done in a desire to shame people for their sins. The Lord wants to show mercy. He calls to conversion, and the confession is that great way that we can be prepared to receive him when he comes at Christmas. So my encouragement or my challenge is during this course of Advent, take time to go to confession. We have confession here from 11 to 11.50 every day, and usually a couple of times on the weekend. And throughout the diocese on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8, we're going to be having the light is on for you. Priests will be hearing confessions. We'll be here not December, the, the week of December 11th. Father Pelsey and I will be gone uh, giving a retreat. But there'll be plenty of other places that you can go to confession. You probably want to go there anyhow because you don't want to come confess to us. That's fine. But please avail yourself. And in fact, on the way out, I have some examinations of conscience that I made. I'll print some more out and put it in the church to make a good examination of conscience so that we can receive the Lord's mercy and put that shame away, trust in his mercy, and trust that no matter what we've done or how many times we've done it, the Lord looks for that firm resolution to change, a desire for mercy, grants you that mercy, and prepares you to receive him when he comes at Christmas and at the end of time. Amen.